Welcome to the third episode of the Cardano Development Insights podcast. I'm Joris van Opperij. And I'm Oli Giu. Our insights platform is where we share our ideas and expert knowledge of local financial market development in frontier and emerging markets with a strong focus on local currency and financing. After listening to today's episode, head over to our website to find out more. This podcast series will explore Cardano Development's role as a local currency financing house and how it supports its companies with fund management and incubation to transform the financial markets of frontier economies. For this episode, we will explore current impact methodologies Cardano Development and the wider financial development industry uses for measuring impact and what that means in terms of outcomes for impact investing and the SDGs. The Sustainable Development Goals. We'll also talk about the latest in measuring impact for climate and also any trends in mobilizing private finance for climate adaptation and mitigation. So let's look at today's key insights. Impact can be hard to quantify. Even if a company takes actions intended to be greener, more sustainable or aligned with the SDGs, calculating impact is a new challenge for the financial industry. New ideas and initiatives are being explored in financial markets development and financial industry impact in relation to climate finance. The traditional impact frameworks used by funders, donor agencies and development finance institutions need to be tailored to measure impacts in financial markets and development. Institutional investors need to set reasonable and challenging targets. Collaboration across regulators and market participants is essential to create meaningful outcomes. So let's get to it. Introducing you to our lineup of guests, we have... Hi, I'm Alice Chappell, Director of Impact Value. Hi, my name is Karin Pasha. I work at Cardano Risk Management, which is actually from the same family as Cardano Development. And at Cardano, I'm Head of Sustainability. So I'll start this session with the definition of impact investing. Impact investments are investments made with the intention to generate positive, measurable social and environmental impact alongside a financial return. Impact investments can be made in both emerging and developed markets. They can target a range of returns from below market to market rate, depending on investors' strategic goals. Now, we're going to be talking about the challenges and opportunities of measuring impact for financial market development and the sustainable development goals. First question, have any of our guests noticed any trends in private finance for climate adaptation and mitigation projects? Thanks, Joris. Um, I think there are four things I'd I'd really like to highlight there. Um, I think the first is about the greater commitment to private finance um, and based on science-based targets for what needs to be done, which is critical. The second is private finance driven by the more competitive technologies that are able to um, be used for climate mitigation. And then I think the third is, um, you mentioned impact investment as a, as a really important theme. I think that there isn't enough money flowing yet to places that really are really needed to create the impact that is required. And that's where organizations like Cardano Development come in. And then fourthly, I think there's a piece about private finance just simply isn't flowing enough to, to adaptation. So on the on the first, in terms of more commitment um, by financial institutions based on the science, I mean, we've had some very interesting and very useful commitments being made. You'll recall it at the Glasgow uh, Conference of the Parties, 
there were commitments by about 130 trillion worth of dollars from financial institutions who are saying they're going to align their portfolios with climate action that's that's aligned to the 1.5 degrees target. This is huge. I'm not not a headline which some reflected, which was 130 trillion of new money going to climate mitigation. It's very much not that. It's about them saying they will align their portfolios in in all sectors to to climate action. But nevertheless, it's a big and important step, and I think that's that's worth noting. I think that the commitment is really only important if there is both a short-term target and a long-term target. So in terms of of measuring the impact, we have to not just be looking at the impact of their um, climate targets for 2050, which is when we have to be at net zero, but also climate targets over the short term up to 2030. And what does the strategy really look like? So seeing what that commitment looks like means measuring the the movement towards those, those targets in the short term as well as over the longer term. Secondly, around the more competitive technologies, I think we know that a lot of the technologies are now attractive and competitive, and that will drive private finance to the climate mitigation. But I think the quite important point I wanted to make about where um, the trends that I'm seeing is that there is not going to be sufficient um, market drivers to take us all the way to the impact we need to have so we can achieve those um, both the sustainable development goals more widely, but also climate action specifically. And so there are very, very important um, strategies and very important initiatives being taken by people to try to find ways in which to shift the risk and return so that more money can flow. And again, I think that's where Cardano development and others are playing a really important role. My final point about adaptation, there simply isn't enough money flowing to it. We need to see more money. And and it's difficult to see how private finance can flow to that. But again, innovative um, strategies need to play a part. Yeah, within Cardano, we do see a clear trend within private finance towards climate change. So for institutional investors, the responsible investment approach typically started with equity portfolios. And now we see that the interest in green and social bonds is increasing rapidly. And this increasing allocation amongst institutional investors have fueled issuance, driving rapid growth in green bond markets. So example given, the Netherlands has issued the green bonds, UK too, and also you see that Europe is issuing these kind of bonds. They have two, rolled out two big programs last year, the SHARE program, which is with social bonds, and also the Next Generation EU program, which has 30% of green bonds in it. So the supply of green bonds and social bonds is increasing rapidly, but not as fast as demand. The demand is growing faster, which puts pressure on the price of the bonds. So green bonds often trade at a premium compared to the conventional bonds. And we see that investors are getting more and more comfortable with this green premium, so that they need to pay a bit more for green and social bonds. But investors must keep sustainable bonds green on front of mind, given that these securities may deliver a lower yield relative to the conventional bonds. Uh, So Karen, you mentioned green bonds there. And uh, let's talk now about the Climate Bonds Initiative, because they've been doing some interesting work with the TCX fund. And so they have been supporting green bonds from less developed markets, specifically in relation to foreign exchange hedging, which has been restricting the growth of the market. And TCX's activities in Vietnam, in particular for the uh, renewable energy industry, is an innovative proposition because there's been very little green bond issuance out of Vietnam to date. And many development finance institutions are are looking for ways to kickstart this market. And 
Alice, can you tell us a, a bit more about the, the value of green bonds? I think green bonds are a really important um, instrument um, because they're, they're very uh, critical for packaging up um, financing for obviously for green for green activities and they're becoming very familiar to the market and therefore the market can understand them and as Karen was saying that they, they're able to be a, a, a traditional instrument almost now rather than an innovative instrument and I think that's critical for people being able to look at them know they're a familiar asset class and being able to invest in them. I think one of the things that Climate Bonds Initiative and everyone else is very careful about is what qualifies as a green bond and in many of our markets it's interesting because they're trying to develop their renewable energy strategies in lots of these markets. And the way in which green bonds are acquired are sometimes different from the way that green bonds might be required in more developed markets. So I think we have to be careful about how we use that um, the, the taxonomy in a way that really drives the change we want to see in developing markets. Analysis. When it comes to impact measurement and reporting, um, there are increasing demands now being placed on the development finance industry uh, to make sure they are doing those reports. How, how is the industry responding? I think it's got to be a welcome development that, that there's more focus on the impact. Obviously, all of these, um, it, both development finance institutions and institutions in the private sector that are beholden to shareholders are accountable and need to be able to report on, on their activities. I think within the development finance institutions, they're clearly accountable to the taxpayer ultimately, and therefore have to be able to defend any in investments they're making. So I think in the past, perhaps we were making assumptions about what impact we were having in the development finance world. And it's good to see that we're having to test those assumptions much more effectively. So I think there's a lot of good work going down the route of trying to understand the impact more, more deeply and to report on it more comprehensively. I think we are in an interesting place at the moment because with that demand for more accountability comes a need for more understanding of how we're going to create the biggest impact and the default position for many uh, of our donors and uh, many of the governments that support uh, development finance institutions is to say we need to know how many beneficiaries are being affected we, we want the people we want the faces the people we've helped to be part of the picture that we paint for our taxpayers. Whereas actually some of the real deep impact will happen through the change that we are making in the financial markets to enable that change in the risk and return that I that I talked about earlier. So I think it's a really interesting dynamic. Yes, we welcome all of this increased focus on impact and organizations like Cardano Development, which are really thinking very deeply about how they can best create impact through all of their different initiatives, are also having to grapple with this difficulty of needing to show those beneficiaries, the people on the ground, but at the same time explaining how the financial markets themselves are changing, which will have the impact that we need in the longer term. Yeah, and, and when you talk about that impact measurement, uh, let's drill down into the specifics because, uh, you know, there's going to be obviously a lot of focus on not only the SDGs, but climate change and also gender. And um, what have you seen in terms of um, the sort of reporting people are looking for with regards to those topics? I think that's another very interesting area where perhaps we take a headline number for gen in gender and we sort of say, well, what would be fair would be that we assume that 50% of the people that we're 
reaching should be should be women and girls in the markets where a lot of people work there are entrenched reasons why it's very difficult to get to a 50 50 target of course that's our, our objective so that's the first point to make i think where understanding the context of where we're working is really important for for reporting on gender and and working out how well we're doing in comparison with other um, or earlier initiatives rather than thinking that 50-50 is is the only thing that's good enough. That's the first point. I think on gender, though, we are getting much better at trying to focus in on projects that will have gender at the heart of them. So by looking at the impact on, on women as beneficiaries, perhaps as customers or as suppliers, as you know, small farmer suppliers, perhaps, or as employees, we are able to, before going into an investment, really think about what the impact on those women might be and then try and capture that through, through measurement. And then the third point I wanted to make was just around the way in which when we're thinking about how how we are making things better for women, we need and we are increasingly better at talking to women as we are trying to talk to other beneficiaries about what actually affects their own lives. We, we've made assumptions about the impact on women without talking to women. And it's the same with many other beneficiaries as well, but particularly for women who are often a, a less of a voice that you hear in the feedback on, on projects. So, Alice, uh, how do you see the consolidation of different ways of accounting for impact? Yes, I mean, it's a really interesting and exciting time in a sense. Um, I think there's there's two different tracks going on. Um, one is perhaps within the, the deep impact space, what, you know, what we you've termed as impact investment in your introduction, where there is a, a lot of different ways of, of reporting on impact. And I think it'll take a while to, to, to consolidate those because everybody has a different objective in terms of their, of their the impacts they want to reach, whether that's climate change or, or poverty or water and so on. But I think in the in the institutional investment space, and I'm sure Karen will see this more than more than any, um, there's a consolidation of some of the approaches that have been a bit of a bane of the institutional investor having to report in the past. So in the past, they've had a whole bunch of accounting for sustainable impact in the GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff which they've had to report on other initiatives. So Sustainability Accounting Standards Board um, has another way of of thinking about things. So just recently during the COP, there was an announcement that the IFRS, the International Financial Reporting Standards Board, will be picking up this question of how you can uh, report in one way on all of the different aspects that these these other initi- these initiatives have asked for in the past. And there are many other initiatives, for example, the Climate Disclosure Standards Board, CDP, who've all decided they're going to come together and support this consolidated approach. So IFRS, which is um, obviously known best for its financial accounting approaches, is saying, well, we can be the home for this because we think that it's really important to try and integrate this into into the financial reporting framework so it will be taken seriously it'll be it'll be developed on a on a global basis and it's a and a very exciting development what i think is important is that it's integrating this idea of something that's material to a company and something that's material to people and planet. So those have before been rather separate. And their way of integrating those, getting that double materiality properly understood and reflected in the reporting that companies do, is really critical to us getting more finance into some of the places that need it most. 
Now, you, you alluded, um, I suppose, to this a little earlier with um, the reflections on gender, but what are the limitations of impact frameworks? I think that there is a bias towards numbers in our impact frameworks, which is a problem because we often, the world doesn't quite work as, as linearly and as neatly as, as we would like. So numbers often don't reflect all of the story. That is always going to be a problem with impact frameworks. I think that one of the other problems we have with impact frameworks is that they tend to reflect the eye of the beholder rather than the eye of the receiver, if you like. So uh, I did mention that in the context of gender, and I think that that is increasingly being focused on. But I think one of the things, and it's and it does come through particularly in the work of Cardano development, is that difficulty of capturing in any of our impact frameworks the changes we're making to the financial markets and to the system which unless we make those changes we're going to find that we don't have the capital flowing to the places that need it most quickly enough to make the difference and so that's where I think impact frameworks are evolving and we're trying to work on how do we capture that systemic change and the market outcomes and the market change. But um, organizations like Cardano Development are really trying to pin that down and work out how best to reflect that in their reporting. Do, do you have um, any thoughts on, on how best to reflect it? Because like you say, like CO2 emissions, you know, we can we can say how many we're going to avoid. We can say, you know, potentially how many jobs will be created. But when it comes to financial market innovation, yeah, measuring those outcomes for the real economy, it's a, a tough job. Have you, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it, it is a really tough job. And, and I think that, it, 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 yes, there are lots of good, there's lots of good work going on. So if we take, for example, in Cardano development, there's an organisation called Frontclear, which, which is aiming to look at interbank lending as a route to better liquidity within markets. And that, that's a critical way to unlock more money for lending to SMEs, to anybody who needs it in that market. There's a report that's that's just been done to try and work out, well, what are the indicators that we can very, in a very granular way, pick up around what the liquidity might be in that market as a result? Well, potentially not as a result, but following on from our interventions, our interbank lending interventions. And so often it's difficult to attribute it to the, the things that we're doing. But if we can see changes and we know that our intervention was supposed to be contributing to that change, we can perhaps make some links with the, with the change that's being made. Alice, you mentioned the great work that Cardano is doing uh, in, in this respect. Can you just elaborate a little bit on Cardano's theory of change? Yes, so Cardano Development has a very good theory of change, which you can see on the website, which tries to explain how it is hoping that it will be able to create change in the financial markets. And it's articulated it in a very clear way with the assumptions being um, made clear and where we perhaps don't have the full evidence that of, the, of the transition that we need to a more sustainable financial market being completely in place yet. So the, the theory of change, it shows how the financial markets do relate to the real economy and it shows where the links need to be explored more and we need to test those assumptions and that's part of what we're trying to do in the process of, uh, of, of really 
making these initiatives work. We, 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 if we find that the assumptions that we're making about how the financial markets don't affect the real economy are not working in practice, then, then those will be um, built into the learning around how those initiatives evolve. But I think what's really important is we can't always measure those links between the financial markets and the real economy, but we need to be as I say, testing those assumptions, trying to find, and, and I mentioned one example of, of Franklia, there are many examples across the Cardano development portfolio, find examples of where we have a, an indication of how that change is happening and how that link between changes in the financial markets do translate into the real economy. Nobody wants to make changes in the financial markets for its own sake. You know, what's the point of that? But we do want to be sure that when we're making changes to the financial markets, we see how those, those roll through. And that's what the Cardano development theory of change is trying to do. Uh, and Karen, can, can you tell us a bit about what kind of measurement impact activities Cardano Netherlands is undertaking with its within its uh, investment portfolio? So Cardano Risk, we provide investment services mainly to Dutch pension funds, and we aim to protect savers, so the beneficiaries, from financial risks that may arise from inflation changes or change interest rates or FX changes, so foreign exchange rates movements. And in the UK, we have a broader offering there with Fidisher Manager, so we manage the whole balance sheet. But for now, we'd like to focus on what we do for our Dutch clients. And maybe good to know that sustainability always has been at the core of our culture and how we run our business. And we are sustainable invest because that's the right thing to do. Last year, we made a lot of progress in investing uh, green and social. We were very active in the green and social bond market, for example. Like uh, We've researched the carbon markets, which are a good tool um, given the climate transition. And we invested in climate change baskets. And if we look at the measurement for these green bonds, we have currently invest about 7% of all our bond investments in green and social bonds. And here we look at the use of proceeds of these bonds and how they relate, for example, to the SDGs. So which SDGs are targeted with these bond proceeds? And this we report back to our clients. So SG reporting is one thing we do. And there we see that mainly SG7, like affordable and clean energy are targeted, or nine, industry, innovation, infrastructure. Uh, 11 is a popular one, sustainable cities and communities. And of course, climate action is also one that's targeted a lot with green bonds. And next to this, we report on uh, the carbon emission of our portfolios. And this is not so difficult anymore for uh, equities, for bonds, uh, corporate bonds, for equities there, the models and the systems are quite developed. But for government bonds and government-related bonds, it's still a bit debate in the sector how you could best yeah, report on your carbon emissions for government expenditures or government bonds, actually. Great. And can, and can you elaborate a little bit? Because obviously uh, Cardano has uh, recently acquired Actium. Yeah. Uh, can, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because Actium is, of course, really well known in the, in the at least in the Dutch uh, uh, context for its uh, sustainable investing. Yeah. So we're very pleased that we're in the process to acquire Actium. And Actium is a pure play sustainable asset manager. All the products of Actium are either article Eight or Article 9, if you look at the SFDR classification. And this acquisition enhances our sustainability and ESG offering. So also, if you look at, for example, the impact investments they do, yeah, we're really happy that we have them on board now, so we could also provide these kind of impact investments to our 
clients. So in each episode, we want to make sure that you take away practical tools and actionable insight and knowledge. So this question goes to the floor. Can you share any specific advice or tips and tricks when calculating or tailoring impact models? And let's start with you, Alice. So I think I would always start with a theory of change because I think that it sounds a bit esoteric, but actually it's it's what will drive impact that in the, all of the activities that your organization is, is taking. So it may be a different way of explaining it. It's not theory of change. It's sort of pathways to impact. You know, how are you going to deliver on your objectives for impact? And from that, you can then look at the indicators that are going to tell you whether you're on the right track. The targets, as we said before, need to be based on actual science and actual performance rather than relative or or kind of furry, unclear um, targets. They need to be very precise and they need to be based on where it's possible, scientific aims and and objectives. And then the third thing I would say was don't worry if some of them can't be quantified. So you'll still generate important and valuable information by looking at some qualitative indicators, you know, maybe talking to women about how those those projects are affecting them. You might not make that into a number, but you will get some really important feedback on how well your, your um, investments are doing. And then finally, I think on that potential for system change, I think testing whether actually what you're doing is just st- keeping with the status quo, or can you find ways in which your intervention can maybe shift that cap those capital flows more fundamentally rather than just on that individual project think about is there a market change that i see that's possible on the back of of my my work and then one final point i just want to make is that the you can't disentangle the social and the environmental impacts we know that we won't make progress on environmental impacts unless we've understood how those affect people they will resist them there will be political pushback it won't happen so really important to understand how environmental affects social so my do would be focus on where you're passionate and where you have influence because that's where you will make a difference I always go back to my lens of one risk return and secondly, the real world sustainability impact. When it starts to become complex, I ask myself the question, so what is the real world impact here? And that helps me going forward. I would say the don't is do not try to do perfectly. Don't wait because there's no time. I think the biggest risk is that we miss our sustainability goals. And I would rather have some greenwashing, but moving forward fast then try to banish that all out and slowing down the process too much. Because the direction is clear and we need to move forward to get to our goals. And people that are in need can't wait till we sort out all the regulation, all the data issues. So we just need to act and move forward. So perfect is the enemy of good. Absolutely, yes. Thanks to Alice and Karen for joining us on the podcast. Please like and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit our website for loads of extra content and information. That's cadanodevelopment.com slash insights. Bye for now and we'll see you next time. Bye bye.